This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast bonus episode with award-winning author Maria Dismondi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you decided to listen in again. This week, we have a bonus episode. I am so excited about my guest. And, you know, once a month, I like to bring somebody on who isn't necessarily a parent educator, but their work impacts families and uh, makes the journey ever more feeling ever more supported. So this month. My bonus episode is with a woman named Maria Desmondi, and Maria has a whole library of children's literature, children's books that she has written that focus on different emotional and social skills. And they're engaging, they're bright and cheerful. She is just about the cutest thing ever. I think I'm going over the top with cuteness and sweetness quotients on the podcast this week with, uh, I don't know if you listened to Tuesday's episode with Julieta Skoog, but she's adorable in the same kind of ways that Maria is adorable. So I'm really excited. She's going to talk to us all about her books and how to use literature in and of itself as a learning tool, right? Because it's not only what our kids see and what they experience, but there's so many opportunities in the in your daily life out in the world in the books that you read and the movies you watch to be noticing noticing the way that people are treating each other and having really powerful conversations so speaking of powerful conversations I think that you're going to love this one that I have with Maria and uh, I'm just really grateful that you're tuning in so let's meet her Hi there, Maria. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Please tell the listeners a little bit more about your journey to doing what you do. Excellent. Well, I graduated from Michigan State University and I went right into teaching. So I was in early childhood and I taught first grade for about 10 years 
And my last two years in education, I was a reading specialist. And what happened along the way was um, we got pregnant and I just decided I wanted to be home. So I went part-time with my first daughter for a couple of years and then we got pregnant with our second child. And, you know, I was in the classroom and I just, I just felt like there was a need for children's literature that was more realistic and that dealt with these issues I was seeing in the classroom. And so I, and I'll tell you more about that later, but so I started writing books um, and I left the classroom in 2011 and um, just worked from home. And I, that's kind of my journey. It's kind of a short one, but so I've been um, home since 2011 and I have seven children's books. Awesome. And you, <laughs> I was getting ready for you to say, I have seven children, but no, oh. you have three children, correct? Yes, I, I have three young children, ages two, four, and six. Boys, girls, both? Uh, two girls and the youngest is a boy and we just potty trained him. So oh, life is good, my friend. Awesome. So like you said, your books tend to focus on the social and emotional skills that kids yes. need, right? Yes, they're... I, I, yeah, I'm a huge advocate on educating parents about character education and the power that we have as parents in the home to equip our children with these skills early on. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I've been speaking lately and writing about and working with my own kids around navigating social conflict and the, you know, kind of the subtle forms of not, you know, there's, there's on one end, there's the bullying that shows up, but really, and then on the other end, it's, you know, everything's peaceful and hunky dory, but in the middle, there's just lots of very typical developmentally appropriate yet you know, sometimes hurtful behavior that happens in the classroom, on the playground, and out in the neighborhood. So you mentioned that you were inspired by what you were seeing in the classroom. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So actually, my, my first book was Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun. And that book focused, I know, the Spaghetti title. Spaghetti in, in a hot dog bun? Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Nice. Like in it. a hot dog bun. So <laughs> the story was inspired because I saw first graders coming to my classroom and they were worried about the clothing they were wear wearing. They were worried about what was in their lunchbox. What would people tease them if they were eating something different? They were really worried about image. And they were six years old. Mm. Um, and I was furious about this. So I thought, well, I, whenever there was an issue in my classroom, I always gathered children's literature because it's a nice, healthy, indirect way to teach a lesson. So you're not telling children, you must do A, B, and C. You're showing them this wonderful story about a child who did A, B, and C. So I couldn't find books. I was finding books about animals that were, you know, having self-esteem issues. And I thought, this is ridiculous. We need books that kids can really relate to. And so I started writing. And that's where the first story, Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun, came from. And um, since then, my books have kind of transformed fired from more of the individual, but working on friendship, like you said, con conflict resolution and the bullying and the meanness. I love that. I love that because, you know, I work with teachers as well around social and emotional character development and their plates are so full, right? There's so many things happening that they need to get to throughout the day. And sometimes there's this feeling of urgency around academics and how can I take time to teach social and emotional stuff. But what I'm hearing you say is, and what I often will say to parents and teachers is, hey, look for opportunities in the books you're reading, in the TV shows you're watching, in the movies you're watching, out in the world to say, wow, look, 
these characters could look, could do some problem solving or wow, I wonder how that character felt. So yes, that indirect way, but also it's a great way of integrating those social emotional skills into the school day or into your already busy schedule. But we always take time to read. Yes. Right? So yes. that is so powerful. Love, well, love, I, love that. If I can expand on that a little more, yeah, I, do it. I, the feedback I've heard from families is wonderful because, you know, in my brain, I was educated as a teacher mm -hmm. and I had so many classes on child development, but then there's my husband who was in finance in college and mm -hmm. we, he will come up with these situations with our kids and he'll just be at an, a loss. Mm -hmm. Like what, how do I handle this? So sometimes I think all parents have the knowledge that I do. And then Dave reminds me, okay, you know, this is important to share this with families. So the, the book aspect has been a really good starting point for families to get conversations going. Awesome. So one of the things I like to do is recommend certain books for parents to get. And, and I really encourage families, if you can go to the library once a week and pick out one to three books that have these skills, these character traits, you know, mm -hmm. anywhere from perseverance to empathy to kindness, and just get those books in your home and read them to your kids. Like mm -hmm. that is being intentional about teaching your children these important life skills. Yeah, I love that. Well, and isn't it funny, too, because I was a teacher as well, and I figured, hey, parenting's going to be so easy because I've got all this <laughs> background information. And then I had my kids, and I was like, oh, all right. my God, I don't know anything. <laughs> so it's amazing. They don't do what they're supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, this is not the same as having kids in the classroom. And I think that what shows up is that emotional investment that we have in our kids versus there's an emotional investment in our students, but it's not things don't feel so personal. Yes. And, you know, piggybacking on something else you said, um, as far as teachers in the classroom, teachers are amazing. Mm -hmm. We know this. Mm -hmm. However, the research I've done, you know, I'm here in Michigan and in our curriculum, we do not have a lot of standards where it's, it's required for teachers to bring in character into the classroom. Yeah. And you know, there's different states that focus more on character education in the schools, but I just need parents listening to understand that teachers are not um, always, you know, held accountable for this education in the classroom. And so we really can't say, oh, the teacher is going to teach them about right. friendship skills and the teacher is going to teach them how to be kind. Right. We cannot put that all on one person. It has to be a team effort. For sure. I love the team concept. And I think that what I find working with teachers is um, the more, you know, when they talk about the, the challenges that show up in the classroom have everything to do with social and emotional learning, right? It's amazing, yes. <laughs> so yes. it's like, well, how about we focus a little bit there? And I had a great mentor of mine talk about, you know, when she was presenting to a group of teachers, a staff, she said, you know, it's not about giving you one more thing to put on your plate. The social and emotional character development is really the plate. It is. Right? It's really the plate holding it all together. And I, I really appreciated that metaphor for it working. It is. Because when we send our children out into the world and they're in the workforce, these are the skills that they're really mm -hmm. going to need. Yeah, for sure. So it seems, I mean, we're so connected to every single news story. So it seems, and I say that in air quotes, as mm -hmm. though bullying is on the rise, and I feel a bit like parents become triggered when their kids come home upset about being treated poorly, and will often call out bullying when it's just kids 
without great skills, right? In this social Absolutely. emotional place. So can you speak into the difference between the, the typical mean behavior we see out in the world amongst kids and bullying? What is, how do you differentiate between the two? Yeah. So this is how I differentiate it. If you think about a child, typically developmentally children below grade three. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say there's a kindergartner and they're out at recess and yesterday their teacher taught them how to play soccer out at recess. And the teacher said, you have to have eight person on each team and this is how you play the game. Mm -hmm. So this kindergartner is so excited they're going to play soccer and they're out there and they've got eight people on each team and they're playing and up walks a new kid. Mm -hmm. And this kid says, I'd like to play soccer. And the child says, no, you can't play. This is an example of something called accidental meanness. Mm. So in this child's perspective, the one who is speaking and saying, no, you cannot play, in their mind, this is the way the game works. Eight and eight, there's no room for anyone else. Yeah. They're trying to play by the rules. And developmentally, children, again, below grade three, these things can really happen where they don't realize they are being unkind or they don't realize they are hurting the other person's feelings. Mm -hmm. They're not practicing empathy. They're, they're in their own ego. Mm -hmm. So this is what I called accidental meanness or maybe some, it's been called unintentional as well. Mm -hmm. So then around third grade is where there's a shift and these children at their age, they know that they can gain control, mm -hmm. that they can, um, you know, leave someone out. They can hurt someone's feelings intentionally. They know exactly what they have to do to gain power. Right. And that's when it's intentional. And that's when it's that, that mean, you know, they say mean girl syndrome, but it happens with boys too. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of the difference. And for parents who say, yeah, but how do I know the difference between that and bullying? Well, bullying is repetitive. Mm -hmm. So it's something that's happening over and over again. And it's on purpose. So you want to make sure it is intentional. Mm -hmm. um, so if you do think your child is being bullied, the first thing I would do is have a conversation with the teacher. And you might even have your child in on that conversation. Definitely. Um, before jumping the gun and going to that child and going to that child's parents, um, you know, because kids are kids, and it's so wonderful for us to give our children the opportunity to be problem solvers. Yes. So instead of swooping in and saying, you know, I'm going to fix this, no, sit down with your child. How, how do you think you can solve this problem? Yeah. And if they have no ideas, you can start offering suggestions and having that conversation with them. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first first box plus 20% off your next month. 
That's code JOYFUL50 at factormeals.com slash JOYFUL50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Yeah, that's definitely what I advocate for as well. And, you know, I think that what you said about power, we don't realize. So when kids are making meaning, you know, from the very beginning, right? And they're, what I say is they're great perceivers and they're really poor interpreters. So even the kid that's looking for power isn't necessarily, you know, to just deal with the surface behavior of meanness isn't really going to solve the problem because it's really a question of where is this need for power coming from where, and this is, this is what we talked to, what I talked to both parents and teachers about when a, a kid feels like they don't have a lot of decision-making power, when they don't have a lot of control over what's happening to them throughout the day, you know, they're going to grab power when it becomes available and mm-hmm. grab control when it becomes available. So do any of your books kind of talk about, about that kind of concept? So um, my book, Pink Tiara, Cookies for Three, it's a story about three friends. And it definitely talks about like a relational type of aggression where friends, um, they're trying to intentionally leave someone out, but not so much. um, We don't go really into the whole power struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, there is my next story after that was called The Potato Chip Champ. And it is a story of a boy who is, um, he has everything. His name is Champ. That's his nickname because he's good at everything. Mm -hmm. And he's very jealous of a boy named Walter Norbert. Walter Norbert has an old broken down bike. His clothes are always torn. He's, you know, got ratty clothes. But the thing is, is Walter Norbert has a lot of friends Mm -hmm. and everyone adores him. So Champ is really jealous. And throughout the story, he's very unkind. And so it's similar to what you were talking about. He's unkind and trying to gain that control in different situations in the story. So um, I think that would probably be the close ex- closest example. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to get my hands on some of your books. And I yeah, love the so, titles. Great oh, I do. Isn't it fun? So, yeah. And you can 
can always, you know, um, read the story and make cookies. You can read the story and have some potato chips. I, I put that one in because I love potato chips. Um, <laughs> Don't we and all? Families, families who are listening, all of my books are available. I've read all of them on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it's so easy to just pop on YouTube and have me read my stories to your family. Awesome. Well, listeners, I'll make sure to put that YouTube link in the show notes as well. So, and you also have a free family printable on your website. Um, And so my question around that is, how do you think parents can be empowering their kids to advocate for themselves? And I, right, doesn't that have to do with the printable? Yes. And, um, you know, I have it on my own fridge because it's such a good reminder of just five simple things that you can do on a day-to-day basis to just really empower your children. Um, So the first one is to be a role model. And you have to think about it at all times. It's crazy Mm -hmm. because, you know, you just never know when your children are looking or listening and tuning into what's going on with you. Um, You know, you could be on a phone phone call with a friend and you could be, um, you know, gossiping and your Mm -hmm. child could be tuning into that. So one of them says to be a role model. Another one of them is says practice empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere in your um, one of your recent blog posts, I heard you talking about empathy. So yes. I think you, you really feel the same way as I do about that. For sure. Well, and it's I love empathy. I love I actually coach for a program um, called Maslow with a common connected parenting program. And the whole two week experience is all around using empathy with our kids. And I think that Sometimes it, we get caught up in the language of empathy, but it's really about it's about a child feeling felt, and it takes more than just "oh, you look mad" <laughs> yeah. to for them to feel felt. I mean, we really have to practice our own sense of empathy, and I think that can get tricky because, you know, typically when our children feel angry, they are responding with the tools they have, which if they're real young, two, three, four there's not a lot of tools for them to draw from, so they lash out, which can often trigger our own emotional response. So, you know, I love the empathy piece because it's also an invitation for parents to drop in and find that calm body, find that place of neutrality, and then meet their kids with, wow, you seem really mad right now. Yeah. And that's really a way of connecting with them where they're at. So I love that empathy is on your list. What else is on that list? Um, Boosting your child's self-esteem. And I do not believe that we should tell children they're good at everything. I think. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Because guess what? They're not. And neither are we. And so um, I will backtrack real real quick, leading by example on one of the things I do as a parent is if I make a mistake, I admit that mistake to my children. Yes. Children, <clears throat> excuse me. And I think it's important for them to see that you're a human being and that you're not 100%. So going on to boosting their self-esteem, really praising your child for what they, not only what they are good at, but for having the courage to maybe try something new that mm-hmm. they're not good at. Mm-hmm. So looking at, oh my goodness, perseverance, you worked so hard. Maybe the yeah. end result wasn't what you wanted, but you worked hard to get there and you, you know, showed perseverance, you showed courage, you showed determination. Um, so really just encouraging them to try new things and to be courageous. And, and that's one way I believe you can boost their self-esteem is you don't always have to say what they're good at, but, you know, compliment them for those internal things as well. And, and for kindness, like yeah. 
a compliment them, raise their self-esteem by just how they're treating other people. It doesn't have to be materialistic. Oh, you got, you know, first place in your soccer game and you got an A on your test. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I don't think there's a ton of value in focusing on just that area for right. increasing self-esteem. Well, and I love that too, because kids don't always realize the traits that are already alive inside of them. So to be able to say, wow, that seemed really disappointing to you and you showed a lot of self-control. Oh, I love that. Right? That's a good, I need to use that one, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's powerful because, you know, I mean, they don't, we want them to, you know, you're in charge of you and yet, you know, giving them evidence of, yeah, that that's what self-control looks like. That's what self-control feels like. And then not expecting it to show up now, you know, regularly. They're not masters. The brain is not fully developed until the children are 25. So PSA, that's a little public service announcement, everyone. Don't forget that. Yeah, 25. 25. The only people that realize that are the car rental companies because they won't rent cars to people under 25. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I will see. Now I know why. Now I know why. Um, The next one is to teach social skills. And I talked a little bit about that for families, Mm -hmm. just incorporating it into your routines as a family. So starting off with children who are young, I often um, talk to families about it as a tool belt. And when I go into schools, I tell the children too, I actually put a tool belt on and we talk about different tools. And I say, you know, what do I use, you know, this hammer for? What do I use this wrench for? And they say to fix and to create, to build. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing with social skills is we're teaching these children things so that they can fix and build, so they can build relationships and so that they can repair relationships too. Um, And so teach social skills. So something you can do, I always think, teach social skills in the car because your children are strapped in and you (laughs) are not going anywhere. So talk about things in the car. Talk about things at the dinner table if you have the routine of sitting together, hopefully Mm -hmm. one one night a week. And um, at bedtime for those younger children. And for, again, you can incorporate books. You Mm -hmm. can also incorporate role play. So Mm -hmm. if my daughter... I, my first grader, a lot has happened on the bus this year. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of, um, teachable moments, I would say walking from the bus home and she'll get off the bus. Something has happened. She's really upset. I listen, listen, listen until we get to the house. And then we have a conversation. And a lot of times if my daughter says, well, I think I'm going to try this with my friend tomorrow. I'll say, do you want me to, to, do you want to practice with me? Yes, love that. Yeah, so she'll be herself and I'll be the friend and we kind of role play so she can get those words out and kind of see how it feels and build some confidence. Um, And one more way to teach social skills for families, there's a lot of free principles on Pinterest if you search conversation starters. And you can find conversation starters that are appropriate for different ages. And I printed off some and put them in a jar And they are sitting on our kitchen table, and it's called Table Talk, if you search that on Pinterest. And um, we just pull out at dinner time every now and then. We pull out these cards, and they have, you know, different questions to get conversations started. What would happen if, or what would you do if, and they're all focused around social skills. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. And I love practicing. You are speaking to the choir. Practice, practice, practice. Oh, my gosh. Even my, typically my 13-year-old will not she totally rolls her eyes at me when I'm like, do you want to practice? But she's recently had a sticky situation with another friend and had to have a hard conversation with her. And I was noticing, 
you know, as she was telling me about it, she was kind of just going the easy route of just avoiding and not responding to texts and just kind of avoiding. And I said, hey, you know, you want to keep your dignity intact and you need to keep, you know, you need to treat her with dignity, which means you need to be honest about what's coming. And it doesn't, it's not comfortable, but just because it's not comfortable doesn't mean you avoid it. And so she actually was willing to practice a conversation with me and then came home from school and said, yep, I had it. And of course I was like, oh, did you think of me? And she said, no. Like, well, I know I, you did. <laughs> and even as an adult, I've had some um, recent situations for work come out where I've said to my husband, I, I would say, hey, this is what I'm going to say. Can you just listen for a minute here? Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, I'm not saying, Dave, will you role play the situation for me? <laughs> but basically, that's what I'm asking him to do because sometimes you just need to hear yourself saying it and to just build confidence yes. for those difficult situations. Definitely. And a and, great example of how what we're doing with our kids is really – building the skills that they need to be healthy, you know, functioning adults. Yes. Oh, and that's that's the biggest gift I want to give my children is just the gift of these skills so that they can be in society and be able to handle these situations. Not always with grace and dignity, but hopefully most of the time. Right, right. And that's always a mantra for me. It's about progress, not perfection. It's about being better, not being perfect. And that goes for you know, our own parenting as well and being self-compassionate when we find ourselves being triggered and maybe not showing up as well as we can for our kids. Absolutely. And the last thing on this free printable, which is just really bright and colorful to put on your fridge and to remind you is to spread love, Mm. to practice not only loving your children, but to loving yourself. And I think it's really a great example to love without limits and expectations. Mm. So um, I'm a big card writer and I write cards constantly and send them to family and friends without expectations. So, um, you know, I have friends who haven't written cards in years, but I'm not mad. I'm not upset. But for me, it brings me joy and it's a way that I can show love to others and my children see this and they know how much I love cards. So at Christmas time, um, my six-year-old got a pack of cards and she said, Mama, I'm going to give you a couple to write to your friends. Aww. Because she <laughs> saw that I loved, that's, that's my way of spreading love is I, I do a lot through writing. So, Well, and that's um, so sweet, especially in the digital online world that we live in. It is yeah. so nice to get cards. And I'm thinking to myself, geez, when was the last time I wrote a card? <laughs> so thank you. You're inspiring me. <laughs> stamps, stamps have gone up. They're not as cheap as they used to be. but <laughs> Well, that's okay because I'm not going to be sending 10 cards a day. It's about progress, not perfection. <laughs> there you go, Casey. Excellent. So Maria, on your website, I also saw that you have – Some other offers that you have your first baby board book that you created and wrote. And and tell me about this musical. Okay, yeah. So the baby board book, I wrote that because I really wanted to do like early intervention. So Mm -hmm. I wanted those parents who have these infants, toddlers, and preschoolers, I want them to have in their hands a book that inspires manners and, you know, love and kindness. And then, so somewhere a few years ago, I think it was three years ago, I received an email from a playwright in um, New York, in New York City. And he said, hey, I was babysitting my niece recently. And I said, why don't you, you know, I'll read you your favorite story. Go get it. 
and she brought out spaghetti in a hot dog bun. And I have not been able to get this story out of my head. And, you know, I own a production company. And what we do is we travel to schools and theaters across the country and we take children's musicals with us. So we share the messages in those stories. So they, after it took us a couple of years through contracts and negotiations, he created a children's musical based on my first book. And oh, it is beautiful. Maria, that is yes. so cool. Yes, it's it's so much better than my book. Like there's singing <laughs> and there's dancing, and my characters are alive. And um, I've seen it on stage a few times, and I I just you know I just love it. And um, the the best was probably when my mom came to a show with me because the the title came from the fact that. My mom made me spaghetti in a hot dog bun. She made these really quirky lunches for us. And, you know, I just kept watching her during the musical because so much of that story was inspired by my mother. And it was just a really neat moment. So, yeah. So now my my message is being spread in a different art form. And that's that is exciting. amazing. So you'll have to get me a link so that I can share it with listeners. And if they're yeah. thinking like, I got to get these. I mean, I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, how can I get this at my kid's school? If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Oh, yeah. Yep. They travel all over. So I will definitely give you their link to their company. And do you have an app? I do. So, yes. Um, the Baby Board Book is also an app. And um, I had my daughter at the time. She was 18 months old. She was my beta tester. Mm-hmm. And um, and I got to have a lot, of, lot to do with creating the app. So I was the one who designed and wrote and um, then there was a company who put it all together. So it, it talks about, it's, it's a lot of numerical skills and colors, mm-hmm. but it's so cool to see, again, one of my stories in a different digital yeah. form. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Just, just goes to show you what can happen when you think, oh. hey, I have a good idea and how it can just blossom into all these different ways of spreading such a powerful message. Absolutely. And I, I love that I was connected with you because- like I told you before we started recording, I was caught up reading your blog last night and it just, I, I'm learning so much from your examples. And oh. I think if you can put yourself in the position where, you know, 
this is who I want to be. I'm going to do my best to make a difference. I think you start attracting people within your inner circle who Mm -hmm. have similar values and similar missions. And then everything just transpires and it becomes stronger. And so I feel like, you know, even you having me on today, I I feel so thankful because now my message is heard by your listeners. So thank you. Spreading the ripple. It all starts (laughs) right here, right now. (laughs) The ripple. (laughs) So I love to end my interviews with one last question. And the question is, what does joyful courage mean to you, Maria? Okay. So courage to me represents um, a lesson or a journey because courage is usually when you're doing something that you're unsure of. Mm -hmm. And the joy in that is, the joy part of that is really just finding the joy in the journey. So that's what it means to me. Joyful courage is finding the joy within that journey. Oh, I love that. I might quote you on that. (laughs) The joy in the journey. I'm writing it down. Oh, yeah. I, I, and you know, I worked with a business coach at the end of 2015. And, um, you know, like I said, I was a teacher Mm -hmm. and I just didn't have business background. And actually being an author, there's a ton on the business side that I needed to learn. Oh, girl, I'm, I'm with you. You're with me. (laughs) There's a big learning curve. So I hired a business coach and she was amazing. And she, at the end of the day said, you know, what brings you joy? So when you're going into a new project, I need you to really think about like what brings you joy. And so for years, I have been awful with my bookkeeping because it does not bring me joy and I do not like it. <laughs> and that. I'm in a position where I can get help with that. And that's that's an area of my business I can outsource. Mm-hmm. And I found a friend who she loves charts and Excel. And so now it's bringing her joy. So <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Joy on the journey for our accountants, friends. Shout out to my accountant, Tanya. Love you. And Elena, thank you for finding joy in my numbers. Oh, Maria, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Oh, you're welcome. This was so fun. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Where do you hang out? Well, I have my website, but I hang out on Instagram. It's my favorite because photography is a passion of mine and a hobby. So I think it's really fun to document my life as an author through Instagram. And I am Maria Desmondi Books on Instagram. Okay. And I'll make sure that that, link, that your Instagram link is right there in the show notes as well, as well as your website. Yay. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Oh, thank you. And listeners, just be sure to do take some time to explore Maria's website and check out her offer, offers and all those links that I mentioned that we talked about will be available to you. And thank you, thank you, thank you. You are welcome. Have a great day. You too. Okay, adorable, right? Such a fun person to have a conversation with. And I just love what Maria has put out into the world. And I know that you will find value in it too. So head over to her website, mariadismondi.com. And uh, you'll just see all sorts of things over there. All of her books are available, other resources. She's got a blog. It's fabulous. Go check it out. Um, And thank you for checking this out. Thanks for tuning in a second time this week to hear what was going on, to listen into the conversation. I hope that it was helpful to you. Um, 
Maria mentioned she is on Instagram at Maria Desmondi Books. I am on Instagram at Joyful Courage. I'm also on Twitter at Joyful Courage. I have a Facebook page called Joyful Courage, as well as a Facebook group called Live and Love with Joyful Courage. So if Facebook is your jam, if that's where you hang out, I know you do. We all hang out there. Um, If that's where you hang out, put in the little search bar, Live and Love with Joyful Courage, and join us. Join the tribe. We're having good conversations there. There's Facebook Live that happens there. I try to share uh, resources with parents. Parents ask questions. I think it's a really positive, powerful, empowering, supportive space, which is exactly what I would hope it would be. So we've got cool people in our group, man. Come on, join us. Um, I've mentioned this. I've You're going to hear this again and again, but I'm super excited about my August offer, 10 Days of Joyful Courage. I am in the work of really creating something that you are going to love, 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 minimal effort with maximum results. That's the goal. I know you're busy. I am too. And I just want to always be looking for ways to help you help yourself live your best parenting life. Because when we focus on that, when we take time to work on being our best and work on growing, recognizing the lessons that unfold every day, all day through our children. When we are in that practice, it filters into our relationships and it just makes life better for everyone. And the goal is world peace, right? So we've got to start creating world peace by really focusing in on inner peace inside of our bodies so that we can create home peace And if enough of us do that, you know, world peace is the next step. So there you go. How about that? Deep thoughts from Casey. All right. Well, everyone, love you. Have a great day. Let me know what you thought about the show. Be sure to check out Maria. Thanks, Maria, for being on. And good night. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.